We're talking about Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference on this tech edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly, joining you here from Alexandria, Virginia, just south of the nation's capital at Fool Headquarters. And I am joined today with the one and only Evan New. How are you today, man? I'm doing well. Long time no chat. And uh, if anybody doesn't know, he uh, he is one of our top writers, but he lives in the mile-high city of Denver, Colorado. How's it going out there? It's uh, kind of rainy and wet. It's been raining, like, for a month straight. <laughs> That's kind of how it happens, as I understand it. You guys in Seattle... <laughs> Uh, so you are, uh, I don't know, you and I have known each other for about a year and a half now, and this whole time you've been pretty much, in my mind, the king of Apple. So uh, I'm actually really excited to do this, because I remember you and uh, Aaron used to do <laughs> Apple shows all the time and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, so Apple's Developers Conference is coming up. Obviously, all the big tech names have their own conferences. Google, Microsoft, they all just you know have their little Developers Conference where they invite mm-hmm. all the programmers in the world to their little conference. And uh, yeah, I wanted to get your take on what we can expect out of Apple. Yeah, so Apple starts next week, and I think, um, you know, naturally the big headliners for a developer conference are going to be software. And specifically this time, I think, you know, Apple will outline all the major features that people can expect for its main platforms, its operating systems, iOS and OS X. I mean, both platforms are pretty mature at this point, um, but Apple has really been focusing on catching up with Android in certain key areas for iOS. Uh, you know, things that people have really been asking for, and, you know, they've been really trying to address some of these gaps. Um, so they've been really prioritizing innovating in iOS 9, since, you know, which makes sense because iOS drives over 75% of Apple's revenue. And it's, you know, relatively speaking, it's younger than OS 10, so there's a lot more work to do also on that front. So uh, when you're saying they want to play catch-up to Android, is it the adaptability of Android, or what? what's the gap there? So, I mean, just for example, last year, or for iOS 8, uh, they closed a lot of big gaps, such as, like, um, the extensibility feature that they brought, which allows apps to really communicate with each other a lot better, which is something that had been in Android for a long time. Um, so things like, you know, browser extensions, um, you know, a lot of these types of features that people, you know, thought were superior, you know, Android had and people wanted it. Apple to do, and you know, it just kind of took them some time to do it in, in a way that they felt was right and secure, and didn't compromise the experience or the security or anything like that. Got it. So uh, I, I'm pretty sure both of us are uh, uh, proud Apple iPhone owners. What can you and I expect from iOS nine when it comes out? So I don't think there's going to be any like huge, major, like groundbreaking features this year. Uh, but at the same time, Siri isn't going to start doing my important. laundry. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, that's for iOS 10. Awesome. I can't wait. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I do think that they will have some important things, nothing like groundbreaking, but still some notable things. Like, for example, I think they're going to be working on public transit directions in Apple Maps, which has been a, a pretty important missing piece of the mapping puzzle that Google has long provided, but they gave that up when they switched to Apple Maps. They've been making some acquisitions. Uh, they bought Embark one or two years ago, which is one of those apps that specializes in public transit. So it's just a bit of a matter of time before they integrate it into Apple Maps. And I think that's a feature that people, particularly in urban areas, really you know, rely on to get around to commute. Yeah, I actually had to buy, uh, download a local you know, metro uh, app to uh, get you know, train schedules and everything for getting into the district here and everything. And it is, right. it is not part of my, my Apple Maps at all. Exactly. It's like yeah, right now you have to either use Google Maps, which still provides them very well, 
or download a local third-party alternative. You know, and Apple obviously wants you to use their own thing. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, and so then what... there's um, Go ahead. This, this new proactive feature that has been reportedly working on sounds a lot like Google Now, where the system will kind of proactively deliver information based on user data. You know, so that's the only thing that they're supposedly going to introduce. Uh, maybe some force touch support. So force touch was that the new pressure sensitive inter- interface that they introduced in Apple Watch, but they're starting to roll out throughout other products also. So I think it's you know they're probably going to include support for that in iOS nine, which would be a, a precursor to the next iPhone having force touch as well. But I think the, the kind of the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to is the possible addition of them adding split screen multitasking for the iPad. Oh, man. Is this anything to do, is it going to be compared to what uh, Microsoft's planning where your phone could theoretically be your PC and you just drop it down there and you get multiple multiple screens and everything? No, I don't think Apple's going to do anything like that because they've always had this really clear distinction between, like, the desktop platform and the mobile platform. Like, they don't, they haven't had this, I mean, there's been a lot of feature convergence where they have different features that borrow from each other, but there's, they've been very distinct, you know, they're not, like, trying to converge the two platforms into one which is what Microsoft is trying to do by having, you know, Windows 10 basically do everything for all devices, you know. So I don't think they're going down that road necessarily. Um, but at the same time, you know, Microsoft has been has had split-screen split multitasking in Surface. Um, that's kind of like something that Apple doesn't have. So I think that they might be able to close that gap and, you know, yeah. get, you know, get it on what Microsoft's been doing. Because I think that, Split screen multitasking is pretty important because, like, I mean, quite literally from day one, Apple has been fighting this perception that the iPad is purely a consumption device. And, I mean, they've been focusing so heavily recently on just emphasizing the iPad as a productivity device. And Yeah, what does Tim Cook say? Every, everybody should use an iPad or something? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, Tim Cook's like, I use only an iPad for my work. Well, of course like, you do. You're the CEO of Apple. Yeah, right? but, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, like split screen multitasking is just such like a core prerequisite for productivity. And I think the two main reasons why they really want to enable productivity are a, it allows consumers to potentially replace their laptops with an iPad and two, it, it dramatically increases the appeal to the enterprise. So are we talking about like having a Mac desktop and then off to the side next to the screen, I'm going to have, you know, my iPad on a stand and then I could, you know, drag spreadsheets in between the two or what are we looking at? Oh, so so split screen multitasking would be more like on the iPad. You can look at two to potentially three apps side by side at the same time. So you have like Safari on one side, then your email on the other, and you can type an email while you're because you know, right now it's just one app at a right, time, and you, you can switch you can switch between the two. But you know, I mean, it's not people are used to like a laptop environment where you can have like four windows open at the same time, and you can really just multitask in a much more efficient way. So I mean that's something that people have been saying Apple needs to do, and that's something that Microsoft does with Surface. You know, they have they have the right. apps to like half the screen or a third of the screen, and I mean Apple was reportedly trying to have this out last year, but I guess it probably wasn't ready yet. And it all ties into this iPad Pro rumor that we've been hearing about that maybe they have a bigger iPad because you know bigger iPad, more screen real estate, better multitasking. Good for professionals. Da 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 da. Right. Yeah, that's interesting because up until this point, the iPad has. I mean, it feels like a big iPhone. I mean, that's you know. (laughs) Right. Right. That's cool. Okay. Very good. Uh, So moving on, I'm actually really curious what you think about this because 
you got guys like Jay-Z trying to get in on the streaming music business and all this stuff. Uh, what are they going to do with, you know, a new streaming service? They just bought Beats. Like, what? what what's their evil scheme here? <laughs> so it sounds like, you know, based on some of the reports we've been seeing, that they're going to be having a, a $10 per month subscription service, unlimited access, which is similar to, like, what Spotify does. Uh, but on top of that, they're going to have a, a big emphasis on curation because um, that's, I mean, they've talked about why they bought Beats Music or Beats Music. One of the reasons why they liked it so much was all of the curation that they had. Yeah. So, for example, like now, right now, Trent Reznor, you know, Nine Inch Nails' main guy, is in charge of Apple's curation team, which is kind of a funny turn of events. <laughs> like, you never would have thought that Nine Inch Nails guy would go work for Apple. But there it, he is it's a brave new world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, after you know, it just happened happened to play out that way. But also, you know, big names like Drake and Pharrell might be involved as like guest DJs to kind of help curation. But I think you know it's going to be hard to say how important curation is going to be to consumers and whether or not it's going to really be this differentiating feature. I mean, certainly Pandora has their curated radio stations and algorithmic stuff like that. But I think that you know Apple thinks that more of a human element can set it apart. And that's why they like Beats. You know, one of the things they like about Beats, you know. So, you know, uh, I'm interested to hear more about it. I I mean, I'm not so sure that it's going to be a a huge, you know, it's not going to be this major financial game change. Right, right. But, I mean, at the same time, they do need to kind of adapt with the times and consumer sort of changing pretty rapidly from, like, you know, really going towards the streaming models as opposed to, like, the, Old, old models where you buy your music. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Apple revolutionized, you know, arguably they kind of saved the music industry, but uh, oh, yeah. I can't remember the last time I paid 99 or a buck oh nine, I guess, now on iTunes. I just stream stuff on YouTube or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's what everyone does that, you know. It's just like, I mean, there are obviously a lot of other debates about the viability, economic viability of the model itself as it relates to artists and all that stuff. But on the consumer side of it, people are really digging this whole new streaming access model. It it almost seems like just paying a monthly fee is the only way that everybody can at least semi win, but we shall see. Yeah, um, I mean, like I, mean, I remember Steve Jobs specifically saying he hated the streaming model like a long time ago because he's like, you know, once you these companies just end up raising prices, and then eventually you hear faces choice of like, do I stop paying and lose access to all my music, or do I have to keep paying higher and higher prices? <laughs> All, but all, all that. again, like you can't really ignore the consumer shift that's happening right now. No, Jobs was good, but uh, he also didn't think people wanted giant phones, and here we are with the iPhone Plus. So, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, so I actually, or small tablets. <laughs> yeah, or giant tablets. Um, so I, I've been hearing this rumor since oh I don't know the last ten years about the Apple TV. Um, now it seems like we're not going to get it, but what's They've got a set top box. Are they ever going to do this thing? Because I, you know, it seems like there's theoretically an an opening there for them to have. You know, you go home, you've got your Apple TV, your Mac, you got your iPhone. Everything's seamless. Everything's you know connected. Why why don't they do that? Like, what's what are they thinking now? Or are you talking about the the rumor that they're going to have a new set top box or like a full size TV? The TV was supposedly a rumor a couple of months ago. Now that seems to be dying. Are they coming out with a new set-top box just to kind of placate that rumor? Like, what's going on? So, like, I don't think that they're working on a full-size TV anymore. Supposedly they killed that project, like, a while back. But there there has been talk that they're going to have a new set-top box alongside a new subscription TV service. 
And, you know, it makes a lot of sense because the current set-top box is like three years old, and they recently dropped the price to like 70 bucks. So it's a good time to, you know, refresh that one because it's just so old. Um, but there's a recent New York Times article that suggested that it wasn't ready yet, so they might not announce it because there's, there had been this expectation that maybe they're going to do it. Uh, but I actually suspect that that report could be one of those time, those instances of Apple having a controlled leak and very specifically, you know, to set expectations that it's not ready. It might need more time to put some of the finishing touches on. And I mean, at the end of the day, if they do push a new Apple TV back a couple months into the fall, I mean, they had announced tons of products in the fall anyways, right? So it wouldn't really hurt if they just needed more time to work on it, push it back a couple of months. Um, I, I don't think it'd be the end of the world if we have to wait a little bit longer, but I, I'm sure that they are working on one and it, you know, it sounds pretty promising. Very cool. Well, before we go, I wanted to ask you uh, just your quick thoughts. I just found out the other day about um, how Apple basically made this new programming language to work with iOS called Swift, obviously named after Taylor mm-hmm. Swift. And, uh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, what, <laughs> the, the growth has been like unprecedented. Like People have been adopting it way more quickly than previous languages. Is that, I mean, are, these, are all these developers just going to go and be, like, worship at the altar of Apple for making this new language? I mean, how happy is everybody? Yeah, I mean, from my understanding, I've talked to a few developers just about the implications and it's just it, it really is just a much more powerful language um the i mean the current one that the pre- outgoing one that everyone was using is objective c and it's just an older language and you know it's a little the learning curve is much steeper right so a, a new develop like especially if you're talking about a new developer coming you know brand new like swift is just much easier to learn it's much faster yeah, performance it's all about making a life easier for developers and it really it's really optimized around Apple's new 64-bit architecture so I mean it's just I mean they love it and I think has a lot of a lot of promising potential behind the scenes it's not something that consumers are going to really focus on or appreciate beyond just having better apps and more apps and faster apps but on the developer end you know they love it it's a good deed good uh, time to be a computer programmer Right. I mean, they're, I mean, Apple really wants to make your life easy. <laughs> for sure. Very good. Well, thank you for your thoughts, Evan. Have a great day. Yeah. Good to, good to chat a little bit. Yep. Do it again soon. And that is it for us, Fools. But before we go, I wanted to make our listeners aware of a very special offer for all industry-focused listeners. If you found this discussion informative and you're looking for more foolish stock ideas, Stock Advisor may be the service for you. It is our flagship newsletter started more than 10 years ago by Motley Fool co-founders Tom and David Gardner. We are offering our lowest price out there for industry-focused listeners. It is $98 for a two-year subscription to Stock Advisor. You'll get two stock recommendations every month with insight from our team of analysts. Just go to focus.fool.com to take advantage of that deal. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Evan New, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!